to Spreading the Good Stuff, a podcast for regional women who want to thrive in their work, wellness, family and community. We share stories of triumph, challenge, growth and change in business and in life and offer helpful insights and advice to empower you to live your best life, however that looks for you. Welcome back to Spreading the Good Stuff for another episode with your hosts. I'm Katrina Myers. I'm Leonie Canham. And I'm Christy O'Brien. Welcome, everybody. How are you, ladies? Good morning. It is so lovely to be back in your ears again. We are into episode five of season two after a little bit of a break, but we're back. So it's so lovely to be back with you all. We are just loving recording so much. We must mention that we are all in different places for these recordings at the moment. And we do know that the sound quality has not been amazing and we apologise for that, but bear with us. We are hoping to get together in real life for our next episodes so that we can, yeah, really work on improving that sound quality for you. And also we just love getting together and being in the one place. So it's a good excuse for us to do that. So this episode, I actually raised with the girls that I wanted to chat about something that has come up for me recently, actually comes up quite often for me. And I guess I never really know how to deal with it. One of the things that I struggle with is how to approach things that you might find challenging or that you think is an area that might need some change. And something that I have found really difficult over the years is how to approach these things in a way that brings people along on this journey with you and doesn't kind of, I guess, polarize them too much, or it's not too confronting for other people. Unfortunately, I have a bit of a tone when I raise things and, you know, I'm quite aware of all of that. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to ask the girls about this on the podcast and we can have a chat about it because I'm sure it's something that other people struggle with or maybe they haven't thought about it. And, you know, it's maybe it's something that we can just kind of shed a bit of awareness on and chat about and find ways that we can kind of manage these things. So to set the scene for you, it's just, it's something that often comes up. It's like, you know, maybe you're on the PNC or you're volunteering in the local footy club or whatever it is but the most recent one for me was that we had the so I don't go to the PNC meetings but I'm on the group chat thing and I'm you know able to help for um you know supporting things or doing whatever and so I I mean I mean to get to the meetings but I haven't got there so again that makes it again challenging with like well I don't want to be antagonistic because I can't I haven't been to the meetings so I can't just go and raise something holus bolus but you know one thing that comes around is it's often the making slices or cakes for the stalls and to be honest, I actually hasn't seen it for a while. I guess there wasn't the stalls during COVID. And I thought, I guess I thought maybe they'd just disappeared. But so when I get these, you know, sort of, can you help make a slice or a cake? For me, it sort of triggers something in me with like, oh my goodness, are we still making cakes and slices? And is this just women's work? And why do we do this? And, you know, do we need to be still doing this? And, you know, the whole feminist comes up at me about, you know, well, men aren't making the cakes and slices. And I'm sure that if men had to make them, they'd just go and buy them or they wouldn't even do the cake stalls in the first place. So for me, there's a lot into it that like links to this kind of deeper sort of feminist issues, I guess. And so I just wanted to ask you guys, like, what do you think about this? Do you think it is still an issue in terms of feminism or am I just like overreacting? And then how would you deal with something like this if you wanted to raise it in a way that was not like, oh my goodness, we need to stop doing this, but a way that would like, I guess, just got people thinking and perhaps moved us in a direction that maybe was something that more helpful that we could be doing or a different way of doing it. Because 
if it is actually still contributing to women having to do the bulk of voluntary work, then is there a way that we can do it differently? And how do you approach that <laughs> with the committee of people without upsetting everybody? So have either of you had this experience and, you know, do you think it's an issue and how would you deal with it or something similar? Christy, you go first. Well, I'm, I'm okay. So it's funny because when you first mentioned this, and I, I suppose I've been out of the primary school loop for a little, a little bit now, and it doesn't really come up as much, um, you know, in in high school. But I know that, um, like the school that that um, our kids are involved with doesn't actually, you know, do the. Can the women do the slice, and can the women do the the roster? They're very good at just about about involving families and. And it's a boarding school as well, so it's not just like can you give you time, but as families, can you contribute, you know, in a monetary way if you can't be there in person, which is hard to do, particularly, I mean, for any school community, particularly if you not don't live near the school community. But I feel like there is this tradition that, you know, it does get um, the job of slices and cakes and whatever does get allocated to the women. And I know that there's some women out there who love making cakes and slices and, and they'll probably wonder what's wrong with that um but I feel like in most households these days like roles are so much more shared than they used to be and and you know in in the primary school that our kids were involved with then you know the men might be the ones who always cook the barbecue I mean I I don't know if that's true or not I can't really remember but I suppose there are some roles that men kind of get allocated to as well but I know that from my experience it's it's the women who have to think about the stuff and and you know, organise the stuff, whether they make it or bake it or buy it. Um, it's definitely, it does come back to the women automatically and because it's tradition. So I think that it's definitely something that could be changed uh, in the way that it's a conversation with the people who put the call out and say, you know, rather than can the women contribute, it's like, you know, can each family contribute? Because that's what it is essentially, that the family's contributing, whether they're making it or baking it or or buying it, it's it's a family. Um, so it's just that kind of, uh, I think, kind of just falling back to what's always been said and written and done that that is difficult because then it's kind of like, okay, well, that would be me. That would be my responsibility. But it shouldn't be either. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting one though, but I think there's a lot of things that happen automatically that have always been put to women that, and it shouldn't have to be that way anymore, you know, like it should be shared responsibility like a lot of stuff now. I guess for me it, it's not that there's anything wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it, but it should be the choice is somewhere where I land on this. And so, like for me personally, I actually don't mind volunteering. I don't mind making the slices, but it's more that I look at it from this kind of community ecosystem perspective, you know, and it's not that I'm trying to get out of doing the work or anything like that. I love, you know, I even quite enjoy doing the volunteering in the canteen at the football club. And I must say that is one area where I have noticed some change is that it very much used to be only women that were in, you know, the canteen, which that did used to, again, was something that I found confronting. But that has changed too. And I see a lot of the, you know, quite, I quite often see the younger ones, the, the partners, the, the men are in there doing stuff as well. And I know I make Tim do it as well, just on principle. But, yeah, so I think we have come a long way. And it's not necessarily about, you know, um, sort of making people feel wrong for wanting to do it either. I think it's just this broader conversation around like what you're saying, Chris, it's just not assuming that it's a certain person who has that role. It's like we we have the ability for any one of us to do these things if we, you know, want to and if we choose to. It doesn't have to be the man or the woman, it's the family. And like, yeah, I guess that's the conversation that I want to be having. What do you think, Lee? 
Yep, I agree with all of that. And I think it probably comes down to a thing called conscious language and conscious communication, which is becoming a much bigger thing out there. And I think as a society, society, we are getting so much better at it. So I don't think possibly, you know, the person who's sending out that that request um, probably hasn't even given a thought it a thought. And I'm sure they wouldn't mind if it's the male or the female or who is contributing. It's just that they've just written it in that way and not perhaps just gone that extra step th- further to think about just using that, being really conscious about the language that, that you're using. So like you said, Chris, ensuring that it's going out to the family. Um, and since you raised this as a, a subject with us uh, to perhaps talk about, it's just been um, on my mind and perhaps in the past I haven't given it too much thought, but it, since you had had that request come from your school, there's been two instances, you know, straight off the back of that um, one was from the tennis club. They've got a, um, and our kids all play junior tennis there and we play tennis as well, uh, for their Easter tournament. And it was a message out to all the mums to drop a slice off for the Easter tournament, um, which made me again, then I, I considered that and thought, okay, which more than happy to, to contribute the slice, but just interesting that it comes to the women. And then Chris, the same, and we're both involved in the same footy club, you know, Thursday night dinners, automatically the women are just all rostered on to, to do the Thursday night dinners which is preparing food for all of the players after they've had their training on a Thursday night so I didn't see one one man's name in that that roster and again more than happy to rock up and do it I love it it's social and it's heaps of fun but it just makes you start questioning why it is that we do it that way um and the the next step of then how do we raise it and how do we create change is the harder part but I think before that comes this stage of just being able to communicate it and ask about it in a non-threatening way, in a non-judgmental way and hearing everyone's opinion and what works for them, what works for their family. Um, and then from there, once you've got a bit clearer idea of the you, your community, whether it's a sporting club or a school or whoever it may be, um, who's in that community and what are their thoughts and their opinions and how can we then do better in making sure that everyone's valued and that we're not triggering people when we put out these requests. Um, so it's it's very interesting. It's very fascinating to think that we're still, yeah, we're still doing this, that it's the women who will be the ones in the, the kitchen, dare I say. Well, yeah, and I guess the question is like why do we, why care about this? And, you know, but but for me it's, it goes to this much, much deeper issue of the fact that we still have so many, you know, women being abused by men, by men and all that kind of stuff. You know, you think like, well, that's, that's, does this, you know, this women in their certain place and their certain roles, is that linked to these deeper, much more challenging things that are going on in our communities? You know, and I sort of think that's why, that's why it's so challenging for me. And that's why I care about it so much because I think, well, it's these subtle things that happen that are women that are a women's place in society that actually then, you know, might be leading to these deeper challenging issues that we're seeing. And so I think that's why it's important to get curious and to understand how these things, you know, are, are playing out and leading to these deeper things. Chris, what do you think? And I know like there is certainly change happening within clubs. Like the footy club's a great example, Lee. Like and I've been involved at the footy club for twenty five years. If not more, actually, that would be 30 years now. I think everything's only 20 years ago, but it's actually 30 this year. I've 30 years since I finished year 12, so we've just organised our reunion. Yikes. Anyway, I know that 
you're right, on the surface it looks like it's the only the women doing the Thursday night dinners. But I know from when I was there as an 18-year-old, you know, woman where it was mainly women doing stuff, all the young men in there now have to wash their own plate after they finish and the, the men run the bar pretty much every week. But, again, it's probably only kind of a um, a smaller group. Um, I know that the young footy players and netballers all have to do a stint on the canteen as well. And there are certainly roles that are changing, but I feel like on the surface you can kind of look across and go, well, it's sort of the same because it's still just, you know, it's just the mums and the women. Although at the same time, Lee, and I agree, I love doing it as well and it's a great opportunity to kind of meet other, other mums or other women involved in the club as well. So I think the surface can look different to what's happening within the club as well. But I think the surface, like the perception is really important as well because you want to be seen as a, an organisation or a school or a, or a sporting club that is aware of or of, of the conscious language and communication, Lee, which you're talking about. And then how are you putting that into action? You know, and that's just not about women um, and equality. It's about all areas of equality and equity, which we've been discussing mm-hmm. a lot on this podcast this year. Things still keep coming up. And and again, in that instance, and I have no doubt, like my husband would be just as happy to jump in and, and do that stint, but it's because the, the it's you're putting a name on it, whereas if it was our surname, you know, the family, then it's just... It just means whoever in that family is in the best position at that time to go and do that job. Um, and it, it probably, in the scheme of things, makes no difference because the organisers wouldn't care if it was the female or the male that turned up and did the job as long as someone's doing it. But is it just a matter of us thinking more consciously about the language that we use? Yeah. And, I mean, I think the organisers might not care, but I remember when Tim was in there, and this was only like two years ago, and some bloke was like, oh, what are you doing in there, Myers? You should have your wife in there. Like, And I was like, oh, are you joking? But, you know, and I think this is the problem. Like, you know, you know. And so that, again, to me, is that whole, and I must say, like our footy club, again, it does just use the last name for who's on the canteen roster. It doesn't say the woman's name, which is great. So I think there's a lot of really good stuff happening at our club. But there's still more to do and I think that's why I guess these conversations are important just to raise that awareness. But then I guess it's also what, what I'm sort of, that, that next step is what I'm interested in because you can feel like it's really hard to raise these issues without sounding like a real pain in the backside, like, oh, there goes Katrina again being on a feminist rant, you know, trying to challenge these things or, you know, whoever it is or whatever it is. And it's quite hard to actually raise these things without, because it's, so ingrained that this is the status quo this is how we do things and you're just trying to be um I guess troublesome you know that's how it's seen a bit like you're just causing trouble if you try to but to me there is a much deeper more important reason why we do need to raise awareness around this so you know do you, what do you think about how would you raise it if you thought it was an issue without you know but um, you go to what you're saying there Katrina as well it, it is you have to be so very careful because you don't want to go in with all guns blazing because these people who are organising it, who may have done, you know, the roster or whatever it may be, they're the ones that are putting themselves out there in a volunteer role that's taking up so much of their time and it's such an important job that is so needed. And so, of course, you would, and you're not being critical of them at all, but you have to be so careful about that because that's how it could be taken. So, um yeah, it's such a delicate one to go in and when you're not the person doing the volunteering in that moment, it's someone else who's coordinating something. For you to then go in and say, hey, could we think about doing it this way, then that often doesn't go down well. So, yeah, it's, it is really, really 
tricky if you're not the one putting your hand up to be the person that's doing that job. 100%. Yeah, what have you got, Chris? I think too, from, from, from a school point of view or an organisational point of view, and I think even sporting groups these days, like even just a, a letter or an email to someone because, you know, these days, you know, things are done you know, more thoroughly and you would hope with more kind of open open minds and, and open hearts, you know, to kind of people's thoughts and ideas around um, things that might be challenging, you know, w- whether it's fairness or equity or or anything like that. I feel like, you know, organisations want to be seen to be doing the right thing and they want to do the right thing as well. So particularly schools, you know, so to write a letter and say, you know, more than happy to help, but it'd be really great just to sort of, you know, let's see, the, the, let's change it to, hey, we want all the families to contribute, you know, um, because families are also made up of lots of different people these days. Like families look different for everybody as well. You know, it could be grandparents contributing or, you know, just carers as well. So I think that it, it needs to, you know, the language, the, the conscious language and communication needs to kind of step up to, to where we're all at. I think so writing a letter, I was just thinking maybe a letter to the editor, Katrina. No, <laughs> For anyone who hasn't listened to uh, last week's episode, that's a reference to that if you might want to go back and listen to that one. <laughs> maybe we'll leave the newspaper out of it and also social media as well. Let's just not use the newspaper or social media to get this message across or to start the conversation. I feel like, you know, everyone's grown-ups and adults and I think that, you know, to approach anything in a measured any any groups and organisations and schools don't want to listen, then that's that's probably the, to their detriment, isn't it? Really, with any any issue relating to fairness and and how things or people are perceived in the community. You know, to to what you're saying there, though, Chris, is that I think the way that you approach it, most people genuinely want to move forward in a positive direction, and I think you're dead right if you approach it in that way. And people are going to be quite receptive. So I think that's really important and that's kind of the, what I needed to hear and want to know, you know, and I think you're right that, like, we have to give so much credit to the people who are doing all these things and not go all guns blazing to them and be really this, I love this conscious language and this way of approaching it in a way that's kind of like just supportive, but, you know, could we look at it a different way perhaps? I love that so much. Sorry, Lee, you go. Um, no, the, all I was going to add to that was the other thing to be mindful of and I'm even thinking of um, like a, the tennis club example I gave is that that message is going out via social media to a group. And if you, if I think about it, most of the people who are in that group tend to be the mothers. And again, I guess that's just something as a society, we probably need to think a little bit about um, and, and taking that responsibility ourselves is that it's, I'm generalizing, but the greater percentage of, of people it tends to be is the woman or the mother that seems to be the one managing the logistics of the children and all those sorts of things and are in those groups. And so you're the one often that's getting the message. It's coming through to you. But it's then, I guess, up to you to spread that load within your own family unit, you know, rather than because I'm the one in that group seeing that message, then I just think, oh, well, that, add that to my to-do list, add that to my load. That's up to me then to have that conversation in, in my family unit. And, I, you know, I grew up, maybe our family was quite different to, to many with when my, I was a child and my with my parents on the farm, both my mum and dad worked full-time nursing and, and farming and they both were in the kitchen as much as each other. Often dad would be the one cooking the majority of the meals if mum was on night shifts and the three of us kids all grew up as well, brothers, sisters, all of us in the kitchen. We all, it was not a, there was no male job or female job. Everyone contributed. 
And so I just saw that as so normal. And then it's exactly the same in my family. Craig didn't really get to have a say in that. <laughs> um, and he he cooks as as much sometimes more than than what I do. And our three boys see that, and they're part of that, and they're in there too. So they they're not seeing that that's once upon a time that was a stereotypical female role that just doesn't exist in their world. And I still to this day have so many people, friends, women who say to me, you, you're just so lucky. Do you know how lucky you are? You know, that, that just wouldn't happen at my house. And, and then that, that triggers me because I just think I, I don't feel lucky. I feel like that's how it should be because we both work full time. We're both raising these children. This is a family effort. We're all in it together. It's a partnership and we, this is how we make it work without one or the other resenting each other. So um, it comes back to that, I guess, having a voice in, in the family unit and the family home and having those conversations too around how we share this and how we make it fair. Um, but, yeah, it, for me a big part of it definitely is that, that conscious language um, and I think that's a good way that we can move forward in trying to just have the conversations in the first place in a way that's, respectful of each other and our opinions and then finding a way forward so that we can all do better and um, maybe, you know, those families where it isn't quite so equal and that it is a little bit more one-sided and maybe the woman is doing a lot more of the load at home, then if those conversations are happening more and more frequently, then it w- will normalise it more rather than that being the exception. And I think the shared load of um, not just um, like even like so domestic work like at home in the kitchen but just the life admin stuff like honestly I would rather make four slices a week than have to register four kids for four different freaking sports because it takes up so much time and I know when our kids were younger I would always say to Troy you're the football department and we only had one child play footy I know girls play footy now but and I did the netball and the cricket and Troy did the basketball and the football because that admin stuff takes up time and where's the password and what's the login and all that stuff. Like it is, it is stuff that as a parent, you know, solo or otherwise, like it's just nice to share that stuff because it is probably in some family set up something that always falls to the women, that life admin stuff. And I know we're all busy and, and our, you know, and our husbands and partners might not have the headspace for it, but you've got to share it because, you know, more than likely they're going to be involved in that sport hopefully on the weekends anyway. So to know what goes on beforehand and setting up those bloody usernames and passwords and registrations, because I don't know about you guys, but that stuff is not easy. It's a shit show sometimes. (laughs) Yes? Am I right? It really is. Hell yes, Christy. (laughs) Oh, my God. So I absolutely hate all of that. I'm terrible at admin. It is not my thing. It's just, I just really, really struggle with it. But I think what you have both raised there actually goes, again, to a much deeper issue, and that is, you know, a lot of women don't have the, well, it's very nuanced and there's lots to it, but it's really, really hard for some people to ask their husbands for help. You know, like one of the biggest things that people struggle with is having these difficult conversations. And, and you know, like like Meg often talks about, some women can't even decide what they want to have for dinner when they go out for dinner without having to stress about that, let alone have a really difficult conversation with their husband about would you mind, you know, actually just doing a bit more. So I think we could nearly do a whole episode on just supporting women if they feel like you know, they are carrying all the mental load, they're doing everything, you know, like it's not, it's not your fault, there's no shame in that and, you know, like it's actually a much 
bigger, challenging thing to tackle sometimes. And so I just want to put that out there and maybe we'll do a whole episode on supporting you to have these difficult conversations. I can see Lee, Lee nodding her head laughing here. Yes, that that is a big one. And also getting the men to speak up about this too and them normalising it. And I often say that to Craig when you're out with your mates and he's just done the grocery shopping that morning before he's headed out to catch up with them and play golf or whatever it is. And I often say, I hope you let them know that you do that because, you know, with certain mates that would never dream of doing that kind of thing because the more that they see other blokes doing it and that it does normalise it and that they're very capable of doing those things, um, then that makes it easier for the women. It doesn't always have to be the woman speaking up in the partnership asking for help. They're seeing that other men do these things, do them very well, and they actually sometimes get some enjoyment out of it. Craig loves going to the supermarket. He's way more into that Where than I am. Mine for me. <laughs> oh, like, and Lee, you're so right because it becomes cultural. So if I think about our group of friends, like all of the husbands, all of the couples are very equal. They're all at drop-offs, they're all at pick-up. Like it's very, you know, cooking, doing the domestic duties, like you, you can see in our group of friends, it's all very equal, so it's very cultural. But I know other groups of friends where it's not like that and it's and it, then it becomes normal and sort of then it's like the husbands have to be working hard and we can't be seen to be doing the things that, you know, like so it does, it is cultural. So the more that the men who are doing it can share it, like the more that does normalise it. You are so right and I think that is just absolutely as important as well and we need to put the emphasis on everybody to be having this conversation. So hopefully. This is raising lots of things for people and building that awareness and contributing to that. So I am so grateful to you both for talking about this with me because it is something that, you know, that I think about a lot and that comes up a lot. And I think it's such an important conversation for our communities. So thank you both. I think we should move on to sharing about, you know, what's coming up for us this week or, you know, if, if it's, you know, what, how you're feeling, what you're needing, what's challenging for you, or if you just want to jump into what you're loving that's fine too. We can, whatever's on our minds to head in towards the end of this conversation. That would be lovely. Do you want to go first, Chris? Yeah, sure. So, um, and as, as we mentioned at the start, when you kind of, um, when you brought this up um, recently, I was sort of thinking about, about conversations about, around, I suppose, equity and equality, which we did talk about recently. And, um, and then also, so I suppose for me, I'm often challenged because I feel like they're conversations that keep coming up and they keep coming up and, and racism is something that has been challenging me again recently, particularly racism in sport and seeing young, young, amazing young sports people having to cope with, you know, racial um, vilification, you know, while they're out playing football and I know it happens in on all platforms probably in all sports, but I just find that super challenging and I just feel like, you know, again like is it still happening you know and the photo of a of a you know young young boy um or young man playing for Footscray you know lifting up his shirt and pointing at his skin which Nikki Wimmer did 30 years ago to to the day almost and I just said to Troy we were watching it last week and it was really emotional he got really emotional after the game and and I go like it's 30 years like you know how far have we come in 30 years you know um yes we've probably come a long way and we need to focus on the good stuff happening as well like I know that particularly on a podcast called Spreading the Good Stuff. But the stuff that challenges me is that this shit still happens, you know, 30 years down the track. So we need to keep having the conversation. That's probably the number one thing because if we don't and you don't call bullshit on it, then it won't go away. Um, But I really want to talk about what I've been loving, if that's okay. Can I do that now? (laughs) So I've been loving um, community is probably the the banner, um, what I've been loving the most this last fortnight and 
on the back of you, Katrina, talking about the community um, support you had um, after, you know, copying some criticism and on the back of that, just the podcast community, the amount of people who've tuned into not just this podcast, but, you know, um, other podcasts that I love to listen to as well. And I feel like that podcast community can have, there's a lot of empowerment in that podcast community because you're listening to conversations that you might agree with, that you might, that might challenge you and you're learning things. And there is sort of so much, um, so much out there that we can, um, can sort of, I suppose, harness from, from our community. And, um, yeah, so I just wanted to shout out to community, both, you know, local and podcast community, but also out at Cordwall, um, where I grew up, I was out there last night for the festival of small halls and I'm still floating from last night cause it was just incredible. And, um, you know, and even just talking about, you know, communities who contribute and the, the Bunaloo PNF had their beautiful Vietnamese kind of, you know, food there on offer. And it was both men and women like in the, in the back there cooking it. It was just so great to see. And, and the community out there was just amazing. So I was um, super excited to be out at Cordwell last night. I, I've missed the Festival Small Halls. It hasn't been on now um, since, since COVID. This was the first one since COVID. So it's a wonderful little network of musicians both international national and local go out to little halls all over the country actually um as part of the woodford folk festival and um you know it was like 15 dollars for a ticket cheap as chips thanks to murray river council they they um supported sponsored the event and it was just like world-class music and it was just incredible so um yeah that's my shout out for for this week and just on the podcast thing too one of my favorite podcasts slow your home which I used to just, you know, love, love, love. Um, they've just come back on board with a new podcast called The Tortoise. So if you loved Slow Your Home, which we talked about a lot on our original series, they're just back in our, on the on the airwaves with a new one called The Tortoise, which is about slow living as more of a philosophy rather than sort of slow in the home. So get on it, listeners. It's awesome. And that's me. Mm. Love it. You go, Lee. Katrina, are you oh. are you sure? Okay. Yeah, you go. Um I haven't got anything any kind of big issues. I'm glad you touched on those those ones, Christy. Um, about the racism in sport and um yeah, that's a huge one. Mine's a lot more superficial than that. My challenge at the moment is just the, the weather turning and this coldness. Someone told me that because summer didn't really kick in until December, that some that it would continue on until about well I was hoping May or June and the mornings and the nights have been so cold and I'm just not okay with it and every day I ask the kids and Craig if we can move to Queensland and live at the beach and every day they say no (laughs) and that's really challenging for me at the minute um I will get used to it so that's been my challenge what I'm loving uh lots of different things but I, I can't remember if I've mentioned this podcast before. Have we talked about The Deep with Zoe Marshall? No, I don't think we have. Not recently. Have either of you listened to that, any of those? Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. I That just fascinates me, every single one of those episodes that she releases. They are just about some of the biggest topics um, and often taboo top, topics that you just don't get to kind of dig into and listen to. And the other day I was listening to one um it doesn't sound great and it's not one that sounds appealing, but it was, it was about um, generational. It was, it was about three generations of women who had all been subject to um, rape by a member of like a senior member of that family, a male member of the family. And she was interviewing the third generation 
and then her daughter, who was the first first girl or woman in that family where they'd broken the cycle and it hadn't happened to her. So it was something like 15 women and girls, mothers, then, you know, their children, grandchildren as it went through. But then they're interviewing this mother and her daughter now about it and just the things that you learn about human spirit and what the resilience of some people and what people can go through and then how they can then turn such a horrific experience into something really positive and trying to make a difference out there in the world. And that's what this daughter now, who's the fourth generation, that's what she's doing. Um, It's the work that she's doing in the world. But if you're interested in any of those kind of taboo subjects and things that just don't get spoken about a lot, um, I highly recommend going and having a look at The Deep with Zoe Marshall. So that's me. Uh, What about you, Katrina? Well, I guess... Sort of a challenge, but also I'm seeing it as an opportunity, is the National Farmer Wellbeing Survey was released last week. And the findings were, of course, well, not, I shouldn't say of course, but like I guess unsurprisingly to me, they were kind of shocking in that like there's, you know, a lot of deep mental health issues in the country still and in rural areas. And, you know, something like nearly 50% of farmers have had suicidal ideation and like 30% of them have like attempted, like it was just shocking, you know, really quite shocking. And it's always, you know, confronting and I find it really challenging. And then it also, I guess, it inspires me to really keep doing the work that I'm doing. And I've just been doing lots of thinking over the weekend about really sort of, I guess, you know, maybe even creating another another podcast just for well-being for farmers. Seems like you could call it digging deep, which I loved actually. So I've really just been thinking about all of that because to me there's always a lot of focus on, you know, when these sort of reports come out, everyone goes to the kind of the rhetoric becomes, we just need more services. We just need more psychologists. We need more doctors. And I'm always like, yes. And we also need to be really educating people to be empowering people, to be showing them that, you know, your mental health and your wellbeing is in big part your responsibility and you need to be accountable and you've got to be prepared. You know, one of the big things that came out of this report was that everyone's really struggling after natural disasters. Well, you know, one thing you can guarantee if you're a farmer is you are going to experience natural disasters. So how are we equipping ourselves better to ride these ups and downs to cope with these things? And so it just really inspired me to be like, right, I, I, I want to set myself the challenge of teaching, you know, I, I was thinking like a thousand people, to, a, a thousand farmers to meditate in a certain amount of time and I want to do this podcast. So I'm feeling all inspired and like it's a, it's a huge challenge, but I just think there's just so much more work to be done and, and not just this problem solving end, but like, you know, I, I put in my newsletter about that, um, is it Desmond Tutu? I think it was he had the awesome quote, which I love is, and Glennon Doyle's referred to it as well, let's stop pulling people out of the river and figure out, I mean, you know, instead of just pulling people out of the river, let's figure out who's pushing them in. And to me, this is what it's about with this, with this whole, you know, farmer mental health crisis. It's like, let's stop people getting depressed. Like, like let's stop them getting to this point of being in the river in the first place and let's figure out how we can stop them falling in, you know? so. Yeah, so challenging but also like really inspiring for me. My mind's been spinning and I'm, you know, going to put out like a meditation challenge, I think, and and do this podcast and just I think there's been something that's always kind of held me back. It's like there's definitely a fear when I move towards this, but I'm really leaning into like move towards the fear. But because I think for me what it does is it, it just there's always this need to like not want to make it worse for people and something always holds me back from really stepping into this space and I just think it's time. I've just got to move towards the fear and just go and do it. So that's where I'm at with that. Chris, what did you want to say? 
And I think on the back of that too, like I only had a conversation, you know, with some family members recently about, you know, um, stuff happening and like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not coping or I'm stressed because this happened and that happened. And, and we talked about the fact that stuff is always going to happen to us. Like, and there's no guarantee, like whether you're a farmer or, you know, it doesn't matter what background you're from. And so it's kind of having the tools to kind of cope with it, you know, as best you can. doesn't mean that it won't be challenging for you, but to learn the tools and things like, you know, meditation does work. And I can't remember whether we spoke about this on the podcast. Um, our middle child's doing year 12 and she was so stressed out about it a month ago. She'd done her neck and she was like beside herself and she's away at boarding school. So it's hard to kind of be there every day to make sure she's, you know, going okay. So I sent her this meditation app and she's grown up doing meditation. Like, you know, schools are amazing at this stuff these days, particularly primary schools. And um, she goes, no, I haven't got time to do 10 minutes of meditation. I said, well, if you haven't got time to do 10 minutes, you need to do an hour, you know? So this night she was just a bit beside herself and she, she put the, the, ears, the ear pods in and, and started doing this meditation. Well, she fell asleep and woke up the next morning with the ear pods still in her ear. <laughs> She'd literally gone to sleep for the first time. <laughs> properly in like five days and she kind of went oh my god mum that actually bloody works you know and I go of course it works you know and look it's not the silver bullet I'm not saying that um but I just think to teach people like to look after their mental health is is the same as looking after physical health it's a muscle you have to work like it's a you know you have to work at it and it's not just going to come after doing one session of meditation but the research is there we know it works so you know equip yourself with the the tools that that can help us all get through and help each other through as well definitely yeah absolutely that's exactly yeah where my mind's been at and that's sorry Lee did you want to say something as well all I wanted to say was you have to do it I know that there's fear there um but sometimes you know fear is just energy and it's uh often that's when it it's telling you that this is a space I need to be in and you've obviously been thinking about it and wanting to do it for a long time um, I can hear the passion in your voice and I just think it's so, so important and you're the perfect person to do it. Mm, yeah, and I think it's 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 sort of it's always been there and it's sort of what I've been working towards and sometimes I'm like, why didn't I just start doing this sooner? But then I go, well, hang on, I had to actually, I think I had to get to this point where I was ready to just really talk about it more and more and more because it's like, yeah, you've got to be at a place where you can cope with and manage talking about this, you know, this stuff all the time and so I think that's yeah that's where I'm at and I think Chris you, you hit all of that stuff that you said I was like exactly what I'm about and you know and it's just it's all the stuff that we share on this podcast a lot too and it really is that taking responsibility and accountability and just really spreading that for farmers more and more and having that conversation and all the other stuff and, and I think you're right there is no silver bullet but there's lots of things that we can do to ride the roller coaster so yeah, so that's where my, my mind has been at. What I'm loving is I've been loving, have you guys heard of Helen Lewis? She is a BBC reporter, interviewer, like she's awesome and I love her. And she produced this podcast called The New Gurus, which actually you both would love if you haven't listened to it already. She's so good. She's been interviewed on a lot of places lately. She was on the Sarah Wilson Wild podcast and then she's just been on No Filter with Mia Friedman this week as well. And just so fascinating listening to her talk about, you know, like Russell Brand and how he's gone kind of like real culty and extreme and all these, you know, like she talks about Andrew Tate and um, Peter Jordanson, who I can never get his name exactly right, but I talked about him last week as well. Like, and just this, and she just does it in this really beautiful way. Like it's not at all sort of really attacking these people, but it's just, she's just so smart, so intelligent. And the way she talks about it, it's just so fascinating, you know, 
her and Mia talk about Gwyneth Paltrow this week and how, you know, and just why are we all yearning for these sort of really extreme things and how does it happen and how do these people rise to so much fame and all of that. It's really, really fascinating. So highly recommend going and listening to that one. So it's just, she's great. So anything that Helen Lewis does, plus those podcasts, which we will link to in the show notes, are so, so brilliant. So do we have anything else to share, ladies? Is that it for today? Well, I actually wanted just to say to Lee, I'm sorry about the cold weather, but I bloody love when the cold weather kicks in. I love, I think I said this on the last show um, that I love the cool weather. So I, I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> so I can get in the garden and light a fire and all. I just love the change in season and autumn is my favourite. And particularly because, and this is another shout out to community, my little neighbourhood community here, every year we do like a relish and sauce making weekend. And we did relish here at my house on Friday and my house still smells like relish, which was amazing. And then we did sauce on um, on Saturday. So it was sort of five hours Friday and then about eight hours on, on Saturday. A couple of the um, families in the neighbourhood went and did the, the picker box, which is at Kagomi, like the t- tomato growing, um, well, tomato production company here in Echuca and went out to the farm to pick the tomatoes. So we had all weekend doing relish and sauce, which is such a lovely community thing I mean it's just a five families in the neighborhood but it and for me it marks the season like it, it marks you know autumn and um I'm sorry Lee but I love it but you know just think about your holiday coming up here in in the winter time hang in there till June somewhere warm and in the meantime I will just keep asking I will keep asking can we move when can we move I suppose we can always do the podcast you know we can come up and visit you in Queensland and we can still do it no matter where you are in the world. Well, I, I actually, I actually thought I had Craig over the line the other on Saturday morning when we were walking, and it was bloody freezing, and I was not happy. I had my full <laughs> winter gear on, and I said again about Queensland, and he said, "Look, you sh- as soon as the kids finish school, w- let's go. Yeah, let's not wait around." And I, I thought he meant, "Oh, excellent!" Like in six years when Jed's finished, we're moving to Queensland. He meant because we're going to Queensland for Christmas to my sisters this year. He meant at the end of this year, as soon as the kids have finished school, let's go then for a holiday yeah. for a couple of weeks. Oh, I was beyond excited and then he oh, let great. me write down. quite on the same page with that, but anyway. Sorry, um, <laughs> speaking of um, autumn holidays, we've got Easter coming out this week and um, this episode will be coming out in a couple of weeks towards the end of the holidays. Is that right, ladies? Yes, after the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just so before it'll be Anzac, Anzac Day. Day by the time you get this one. So it'll be bloody cold by then, Lee, so... I also love this time of the year too, I must say. It's autumn is the best. The weather, I was just thinking, it's just so lovely. So I hope we all have. Between 10 and 2 p.m., between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., I can cope. No, not before or after. It's just ridiculous. Stop it. We can't be friends anymore. Well, we would love to hear from you guys. Are you an, tell us in our um, show notes after this episode, are, are you an autumn lover or not? We would love to hear from you guys as well. And don't forget to like and share and do all the things to support the episode if you are enjoying it. And thank you, ladies. It's been a lovely chat as always, and I love all your feedback. Thank you both. Thanks, and girls. Thanks. See you next time. See you guys. See you Bye later. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. so much for joining us for another episode of spreading the good stuff it is so lovely to have your company here if you enjoyed the show we would absolutely love it if you you know hit the little arrow at the top of the podcast itunes page there or like it on spotify and also give us a rating five would be fabulous 
If it's not a five for you, then maybe just don't bother. That's okay. But if it is, we would love for you to help us spread the good stuff more by supporting us and also tell your friends about it. We all know that word of mouth is the best way to learn about new things. Maybe share it on your socials, do a little screenshot of the podcast tile, whatever works for you. But we would just absolutely love it if you would help us spread the good stuff. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.